I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to episode 21 of the North American Outdoors podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo coming to you from the great state of Texas. Let's talk about introducing your wild child to camping. Creating your own memories is so important as we're raising this younger generation to get them more disconnected from their electronics and more into the outdoors. As the sun sets deeper below the horizon, John, John, and Matthew were eagerly awaiting the cover of darkness. Finally, it arrived. Daddy, daddy, it's time, it's time, they shrieked. The campfire crackled and popped in the cool night's breeze. I came out of the tent after ensuring that Luke was fast asleep, all snuggled up in his sleeping bag in the late night hours. The three older boys were huddled around the campfire with anticipation for what was about to come their way. John began, Long, long ago, there once lived a family of grizzly bears that roamed the valleys and draws up here in this wilderness area. One evening, there were two brothers who were camping right here in this very spot. They were full of mischief, made lots of bad choices, and destroyed just about everything they touched. They would pick up handfuls of rocks and sand and were throwing them at every wildlife critter that passed by. They were intentionally trying to harm these animals. John went on to tell them, They looked over into this valley right here in front of us and saw the sow grizzly bear and her two cubs. These boys couldn't wait to start throwing rocks to see who could hit the bears first and who could hit the bears the hardest. Success! One of the young grizzly cubs was nailed square between his eyes. The mama bear stood on her hind legs and let out a roar to shake the earth as she locked her sights on these two malicious brothers. Dominic, Matthew, and John John were hanging on to Dad's every word. John took a break to sip on his iced tea as the boys begged for more of the story. So in less than a blink of an eye, the mama bear was on top of these two boys, tearing them apart limb from limb. The two baby grizzlies followed right behind their mama, watching her aggressive actions protecting her cubs. (laughs) 
Soon after the cub bear was hit, it became obvious that something was wrong with the little grizzly cub. He was never the same after being hit with this rock from these two boys. The rock caused him to grow bigger and meaner than any grizzly bear should be. Legend has it, old Ephraim roams these valleys and woods looking for young kids who make way too much noise while camping or cause a ruckus and do not listen to their parents. The boys were wide-eyed as they looked over their shoulders and made sure our camping area was free of any wildlife predators, especially of old Ephraim. Every noise we heard during the night, one of the boys would sit straight up in their sleeping bags and holler, Mom! I think I hear him! Every evening as the boys grew louder and louder when they played, one of them would immediately remind the brother not to attract old Ephraim to our campsite. Needless to say, folklore and legends around a campfire not only bring a family together through entertaining stories, but also have an underlying message to teach morals and good behavior. There are two types of camping available to parents who are introducing their kids to the outdoors. These two types of camping most people participate in is walk-in camping and car camping. Walk-in camping is also known as pack-in camping or backcountry camping. This type of camping is more advanced and more suited for older children who have backpacking experience. In walk-in camping, participants leave their vehicles behind and either walk a short distance, often making several trips back and forth to their campsite, or they carry all of their gear in backpacks and hike in a greater distance. The advantage of walk-in camping is that it provides families a chance to get away to a secluded place and enjoy quality time together with fewer distractions. Car camping is more suited for less experienced campers who have smaller children. When car camping, the vehicle with all of the camping gear is parked near the campsite. By camping next to your vehicle, Parents can bring the necessary items to keep small children entertained, such as toys, coloring books, tricycles, or bikes. Also, when camping next to your vehicle, it can be used to drive the family to points of interest instead of embarking on a large hiking trip that small children may not be able to complete. Another advantage of camping with your vehicle is the convenience of loading up the family to go to the restroom or go to the showers. Most private, state, and federal campgrounds offer car camping sites. When a parent decides to introduce their children to camping, it is very important to pick a location that is appropriate for the age of that child. If you have a small child, then do not pick a campground that only has strenuous walks to get to points of interest. Look for campgrounds with playgrounds, programs geared towards kids, and age-appropriate activities. The last thing to remember is when picking a campsite is to choose one that works for your entire family. The location of your campsite in relation to the amenities being offered can affect the overall enjoyment of your trip. We had an open weekend one year and decided to explore one of the state parks in Texas, which we had never visited before. We loaded up the boys and we headed west, ending up at Palmetto State Park. After we checked in, our next mission was to find an appropriate campsite. 
We drove around and around the park, and our boys actually chose the location to set up camp. While looking for the perfect campsite, we came upon the biggest playground we had ever seen. There were swings, seesaws, and great climbing structures all around. The boys were mesmerized by its temptation and did not waste any time to bolt out of the vehicle once we parked to a campsite very near the playground. It was a perfect location because we were able to unload the vehicle all while keeping a watchful eye on the boys. It is important to remember that many state and federal parks are established in areas with unique geological features. Often, these geological features can create a hazard for small children. Many deaths occur in natural areas from drowning or by falls from high elevations. It is imperative to watch your children in areas with these natural hazards. Children need to be under strict supervision around water, cliffs, ravines, and other potentially unsafe areas where accidents can occur in the blink of an eye. During one of our summer trips to Yellowstone National Park in northwestern Wyoming, we were enjoying the beauty of the geysers and hot springs as we drove a loop across one of the scenic byways. The ground was cracked due to the thin earth below, above the bubbling and steaming vents, which posed severe and potential danger to anyone who ventured off of the boardwalks. There were danger signs everywhere, cautioning visitors to stay on the boardwalks and keep a close watch of small children. We held our kids' hands as we snaked our way around the marked path along these boardwalks. We turned a corner and looked across the land to witness a man and a woman tiptoeing across the fractured earth, steam rising all around them as they approached a mini volcano-looking structure. This formation was a geyser. We all stopped in our tracks, frozen with fear of what was surely going to happen next right before our eyes. We watched in awe as the woman climbed closer and closer to the steaming formation, turned around, and smiled widely toward the man taking her picture. The couple luckily made it back to the road where their vehicle was parked. This provided a teachable moment for our boys to talk about what could happen when people do not follow instructions or read the danger signs. During the same trip to Yellowstone, we were driving and winding up a mountainside which was to our left. We kept a very close eye on the steep drop-off beside us to our right, which fell into a deep canyon. The two-lane road was very narrow and did not offer much wiggle room for passing vehicles. Up ahead of us, there was a vehicle pulled over toward the canyon side. This family of three exited their vehicle and was only separated by a two-foot boulder before the vertical drop-off to the canyon below. The mother picked up her young daughter, no more than four years old, and placed her on the ledge of the cliff as she and her husband ran across the street with their backs up against the mountain. The parents began dancing and waving their arms to get their young child to look their way and smile at the camera. One brisk blow of the wind and this poor innocent child would have disappeared into the gorge. This show of foolishness stopped traffic flow in both directions as a sea of onlookers were holding their breath until the family got back into their vehicle and started driving once again. 
This must have been the year for Darwinism, as we witnessed yet another demonstration along one of our nature hikes. In the Yellowstone thermal areas, there are several paths that you can hike to view these wonders of nature. The path is a simple boardwalk hovering only inches above the fragile and thin ground, bubbling and crackling with boiling water, mud, and acidic liquids beneath. There are danger signs everywhere you look, and keep your children close postings all along the way. We tightly hiked, huddled together like a football team, ensuring that everyone is within arm's reach if someone were to slip or wander too close to the edge of the boardwalk. There was a bridge ahead of us which arched over a small, boiling and steaming waterfall below. Again, we froze in our tracks and could not believe what we were seeing. There was a father holding his small child, no older than four or five, upside down, only by his ankle, while his tiny head was dangling only a few feet above the deadly stream below as the child screamed in terror. These are all great teachable moments to teach our children to obey warning signs and to impress how important that is to our children. These images are forever burned in their young minds. Even at young ages, they understand how quickly one can become a statistic when in Mother Nature's arms. It is also very important when deciding on a campground to be aware of the different types of wildlife common to that area. Alligators in the southeastern United States and bears, mountain lions, and wolves in the rest of North America pose a real threat to campers, especially to children. Children need to know that the wild animals are not always the cute, fuzzy, and lovable cartoon characters they are sometimes portrayed as. Wild animals are often very dangerous. Small children can be seen as prey to these large wildlife predators. Keep this in mind if your family ventures on a nature hike. If you have small children, toddlers, or infants, their cries and squeals can sound like injured prey to a wildlife predator looking for their next meal. After all, small children are about the same size of their usual food source. Even docile-looking white-tailed deer can seriously injure or kill an adult, much less a child. Once again, strict supervision is a matter of life and death. It takes a parent to take a child camping. You cannot take kids camping, turn them loose, and go on about your business. It is the parent's responsibility to make sure their children enjoy the great outdoors in a safe manner. Once a campground has been decided upon, the geological features and wildlife in the area must be taken into consideration. The goal is to create an experience for your wild child that is safe and fun. When arriving to your campsite, the first thing that should be done is to set up camp. This is a great way of involving the kids. The tent should always be set up first so shelter is available in case of inclement weather. Most kids love to help their parents pitch a tent. Kids love tents. Almost every child has made a tent out of towels or bed sheets on their bedroom floor. Our boys even love having a real tent popped up in each of their bedrooms. They make forts, play cowboys and Indians, do their homework, and sometimes they actually sleep in them. 
While pitching the tent, it is a good time to teach children what to look for in a spot to set it up. The first thing to look for is a relatively flat area that is not in a rain runoff location. Once the spot is located, look up. Pitching a tent under a dead tree or a live tree with dead limbs could pose a risk if high winds kick up. After the ideal spot is picked, have the kids clear the ground of rocks, sticks, pine cones, or other things that could cause a bad night's sleep. Involve your child in the entire process of setting up the tent. Let them lay the ground cloth and help you unpack the tent. Some of the greatest camping memories our boys have are what we used to take for granted, setting up a tent. Although it can be quite frustrating at times when things just don't go the way we plan, or the process is slowed down to almost a dawdling pace when little hands are involved, the outcome is still the same. Once the tent is put up, no matter how long it took, there is a sense of pride for completing a common goal. Somehow, we always end up laughing when it's all finished. Once the tent is set up, it's time to unload the rest of the gear. Kids can help take clothes, duffel bags, bedrolls, pillows, and other items that need to stay dry into their tent. Cooking gear and food can be unloaded if it's in latched containers or if there are animal-proof lockers available. In bear country, careless handling of food can create a dangerous situation by bringing hungry bears to your campsite. Small mammals such as squirrels and raccoons are very adept food thieves. On one of our outings, we unloaded our ice chest and pulled out all of the fixins for hot dogs to cook our dinner over the campfire. The boys pulled out the semi-frozen packets of hot dogs, ketchup, mustard, and squeezy cheese and laid the items on our picnic table. Dominic turned toward the chuck box to pull out hot dog buns and campfire forks to roast the weenies. In the short time his back was turned, a squirrel had jumped onto the picnic table without a sound, ripped open the package of hot dogs, perched right in the middle of our condiments, and was clutching a hot dog while stuffing his cheeks to the extreme. The last thing to do when setting up a camp is to gather firewood and start a campfire. Make sure the area allows campfires and the area is not currently under a burn ban. Kids should be closely supervised when gathering firewood. Often, dead wood can harbor stinging insects, poisonous plants, as well as venomous snakes. Teach children to use a stick to turn over firewood to look for these hazards. Dead wood can be home to bees, wasps, centipedes, and scorpions and venomous snakes use them for cover and ambush spots. If this was not bad enough, poisonous plants such as poison ivy and poison oak can be growing on dead wood causing an itchy rash for an unsuspecting firewood collector. Poisonous plants can cause another medical issue if attached to a piece of firewood and thrown into a fire. The irritating properties of these plants can rise through the air and into the smoke. If this smoke is inhaled, a person's lungs can become sore and inflamed, causing shortness of breath. In severe cases, the individual may have to seek medical attention. All campfires should be made in designated areas if provided. Many campsites have fire pits or fire rings available to prevent fire from escaping and to promote low-impact camping. 
low-impact camping reduces wear and tear in our wilderness areas, and fire pits prevent multiple areas with scorched earth where multiple fires have been made. Fire pits are usually a steel or concrete ring that contains the fire. It is important to remember to keep the whole fire inside of the ring with no pieces of wood sticking out. Long pieces of wood should be broken or cut to the proper length to fit inside of the ring. If there are no fire pits available and ground fires are permitted, care should be taken when picking a spot for your pit. Pick an area that is easily cleared of debris such as dry leaves, pine needles, sticks, pine cones, etc. It is also important to make sure that you do not build a fire under low-hanging branches that could catch on fire. Fires made on the ground without steel or concrete pits should be kept small and manageable. Regardless of the type of fire pit available, steel, concrete, or bare ground, there should be a minimum of two one-gallon buckets of water present to extinguish the fire. There is also a correct way of putting out a fire. A bucket of water should not be dumped on a fire to extinguish the flame. Dumping water directly onto a fire rarely properly puts it out. Also, dumping a bucket of water directly on a fire can cause injury by creating a large amount of boiling steam that can rise and scold the arms and face of anyone standing around. The correct way of putting out a campfire is done in a series of steps. You start by sprinkling or splashing small amounts of water around the edge of the fire, extinguishing the flame. As the flame is extinguished around the edge, move towards the center. Once the flames are put out, take a stick or a shovel and stir the water, ash, and any incomplete burned wood to cool the hot spots. You are not done until you can place your hand directly in the soupy mess and declare the fire is out cold. Once the fire is out cold, cover the remnants with soil to deprive it of oxygen, thus preventing a flare-up. This is also considered low-impact camping. You want to do everything you can to prevent the spark or spread of a wildfire. Lately, there have been numerous outbreaks of wildfires in the western United States. Years of drought and dry conditions have provided the perfect formula for a fire to flourish and destroy hundreds and even thousands of acres of wilderness, forests, and even residential areas. Many people have been evacuated and displaced because of these fires. Several years ago, we were heading toward southern Colorado and saw the sky darken ahead of us. Since we were camping and vacationing in the wilderness, we had not been connected to the local news in a few days. All of a sudden, we came upon a blockade of police units preventing us from heading further south down the interstate. We exited as directed, only to find out there was a tremendous wildfire burning about 50 miles ahead of us, and the flames were crossing the highway. We were directed to a three-hour detour in the opposite direction of the fire. You could see the black smoke pluming in that direction and smell the horrible smell of a destructive fire. This was another example of being prepared when traveling, making sure you have enough fuel and supplies with you in case of any unexpected detours or events. Start teaching your children camping techniques as soon as they can understand the reason for the task. 
Not only will this keep the child interested and engaged, but often proper techniques prevent accidents and injuries. It is easier to teach proper camping techniques to inexperienced children than correct improper techniques to an older individual. When teaching kids proper camping techniques, always start out with something fun. When most children think of camping, they immediately envision a roaring campfire. Learning how to start a campfire is something that outdoor kids will never forget. There are three components to a campfire. These components are fuel, heat, and oxygen. Fuel is what makes a fire a campfire. There are different types of fuel. Fuel can be dead wood, charcoal, or man-made chemical logs. Charcoal is flameless and usually is good for cooking. It is not much to look at. Chemical logs put off flames but can emit harmful chemical vapors if inhaled. Dead wood creates the campfire that kids will associate with camping. Children should be taught that only dead, dry wood collected off the ground should be used for a fire. Live trees should never be cut and never be used as firewood. The proper way to start a fire is by combining kindling, tinder, and fuel. Kindling is a material that is easily lit and burns fast and hot. This includes things such as moss, bark, and pine needles. The kindling is used to ignite the tinder. Tinder is small twigs and sticks less than an inch in diameter. Tinder burns slower and more sustained to ignite larger fuel such as logs, split wood, and cut limbs. The next component is heat. Heat is what ignites the fuel and keeps it burning. To start a fire, heat must be applied to the fuel. This can be matches, creating flint sparks to easily ignite the fuel, or friction by rubbing two sticks together. Heat can be enhanced by the use of man-made fire starters. There are several different commercial fire starters on the market. It is also very easy and cheap to make your own. There are many recipes involving paraffin wax and newspaper. The paraffin is melted and either poured into molds such as a cardboard egg carton filled with shredded paper or tightly rolled into three-inch wide strips of newspaper with a string tied in the middle and dipped into the wax. A very easy-to-make fire starter that children can do all by themselves are cotton balls dipped in petroleum jelly. Kids can soak the cotton balls in the petroleum and store them in small plastic containers. This way, they can start the fire with their own fire starters. The last component of fire is oxygen. Without oxygen, fire cannot exist. This is where the old adage, fanning the flames, comes from. Just as bellows are used to start a fire in a fireplace, blowing at the base of a fire is done to help start or reignite fuel. Before starting a campfire, teach children to do so only in designated fire pits or lays. Also, it is important to teach them to always have at least two one-gallon buckets of water, sand, or one of each for safety. If the campfire gets out of hand or escapes from the designated area, the fire can be quickly extinguished. It is also important to teach children to never leave a campfire unattended. It should be properly extinguished if the fire is going to be left unattended. The water extinguishes the fire by removing the heat, 
and the sand extinguishes the fire by depriving it of oxygen. By removing one of the three components, fuel, heat, and oxygen, a fire can be effectively extinguished. Another camping technique that children should be taught is animal-proofing their campsite. This is a very important lesson to learn. A campsite is not the place for viewing wildlife. Wildlife can create a danger to careless campers. Small mammals can bite or scratch individuals that get too close to them. Animals such as raccoons, possums, and other small mammals carry diseases such as distemper and rabies. Larger mammals, such as bears and mountain lions, can create a life-threatening situation. Animals are very smart. They know where people like to camp. They are attracted to these areas because people bring food. They are especially attracted to sloppy campers who litter the ground with leftover food, crumbs, and sticky sweet drippings from soda cans. Oftentimes, these campsite animals become so desensitized around the presence of humans, they can pose a threat to all outdoor enthusiasts, even the responsible ones. All campers, both young and seasoned, should be taught to be very careful with food and other smellables. Any spills of food or other items that might attract wildlife should be cleaned up immediately and thoroughly. Not only should the spilled item be cleaned up, but also any contaminated dirt or soil. Contaminated soil should be scooped up and placed in a secure trash receptacle. Food and other items that might attract animals should never be taken into a tent. This could cause animals to enter a tent looking for food. When this happens, and in the best case scenario, equipment is damaged. Or in the worst case scenario, someone could be seriously injured or even killed. No food should be left unattended, especially at night. It should all be secured in a vehicle or other animal-proof container. During one of our camping trips in the Colorado foothills, we pulled into a somewhat remote camping area. When we checked into the camping store, there was a park ranger on duty. We took the opportunity to talk with him and asked questions about the area and what wildlife we might see. To our surprise, he warned us of black bears that had recently been sighted in the area. He then recited a safety checklist that we were sure he had gone over many, many times before. He explained how important it was to remove all smellables from our tent, such as food, drink, and so on. Two items that caught our attention were lip balm and water bottles. The lip balm attracted bears because of the smell of the wax, and water bottles attract bears because of the scent of the chemicals used in the manufacturing process of the bottles. Apparently, bears love water bottles. This conversation validated the importance of getting to know the area in which you will be camping and visiting with the local park ranger or local residents in that area. When planning meals, make sure they are easy, kid-friendly, and not messy. Try to prevent any spillage which will attract wild animals to the campsite. The idea is to plan meals that kids can prepare and cook themselves. Hot dogs are the perfect camping food for kids. The act of roasting weenies over an open fire is a staple of a childhood campsite memory. This is something that kids can do pretty much all by themselves. Let them hunt for the perfect roasting stick, put the hot dog on the end, and hold it over the campfire until it's nice and toasty. 
One of the most popular and fun meals that children can prepare are silver turtles. To make a silver turtle, you start by giving the child a piece of tin foil approximately one and a half to two feet long. Next, have the kid make a large meatball out of ground beef and place it in the center of the foil. The last ingredient are vegetables. The vegetables can either be fresh, frozen, or canned. Mixed canned vegetables are the easiest to use. Simply open the can and spoon the veggies all around the large meatball. The last and most exciting part of making the silver turtle is wrapping the foil around the food and forming it into the shape of an animal, such as a turtle, hence the name. If more than one camper creates the same formation or animal out of their foil, one easy way to distinguish the food is by painting initials or to mark to tell them apart with colored nail polish. The fire will not melt the color of the polish, and you can quickly pick out your meal from the pile. The whole turtle is then placed on the coals created by the campfire for about 30 to 45 minutes. Once dinner is through, it's time for dessert. This can be as basic as letting the kids roast marshmallows over an open fire. If you really want a crowd pleaser, break out the fixins for s'mores. While the kids are roasting marshmallows, have two graham crackers and a piece of chocolate bar handy. Once the marshmallow is toasted to perfection, sandwich it between the two graham crackers with the chocolate in between. Another s'mores secret that I've discovered because I am a huge peanut butter fan is to replace the chocolate with a peanut butter cup. This is a quick, easy, and fun way of topping off a great day. When the chores are all finished, dishes washed, and trash collected, the best part of the evening comes around by enjoying the fire under the cover of darkness. Let the children circle around the campfire and enjoy the roaring fire and ambience. Look up at the stars and gaze. Think of silly and fun campfire songs. A campfire is a great gathering spot to share stories, ask questions, and tell tall tales and even ghost stories, age-appropriate, of course. Some of the best memories families can make together are created around a campfire. Some of the best life lessons taught and passed down from generation to generation have also been around a campfire. We never miss the opportunity to tell scary stories around a campfire. Some of the best stories are created in the spur of the moment. We were sitting around the fire one evening and heard a sound from an animal way off in the distance. It was probably an owl, but we certainly took advantage of the opportunity to build a story around that strange sound the boys all heard. Of course, everyone's senses of hearing has been elevated when out in the woods enjoying nocturnal activities. So John began telling the boys that probably was the sound and the lonesome howl of Long Neck Ned. The boys were scooting their chairs a little bit closer towards us as John continued on with his tall tale. Long Neck Ned was an old cowboy. He and his horse Boomer would ride around the plains and come upon campers in remote locations such as where we are right now. He and Boomer would hunker down behind shrub brush and some trees and Long Neck Ned would stretch his neck, craning it around the tree to get a better look at the campers, specifically at what they were cooking for dinner. 
The boys peered around in the dark night to see if they could catch a glimpse of anyone or anything watching them from the darkness. John continued, Ned loved s'mores. When the campers cleaned up their dinner mess and broke out the s'mores, Ned would holler, giddy up, and he'd spur old Boomer. The two of them would ride to a decent gallop, ambush the campsite, and rob the unsuspecting campers of their warm and fresh s'mores. Before the campers knew what hit them, Ned and Boomer vanished into the darkness. Ned would turn his long neck around and peer back towards the campfire, whispering, Who can I thank for these s'mores? Who? Who? To this day, any time the boys hear the moaning cry, Who? Who? While sitting around a campfire, they know that long-necked Ned and Boomer just ran off with a batch of freshly roasted s'mores from another camping family nearby. By telling entertaining and imaginative campfire stories, over time, your children will add to these stories and pass them on to their friends and share them with their own families and children one day. When taking kids camping, make sure you keep them engaged. Nature walks are great ways to interact with your kids. Have them look for interesting plants and animals and then talk about them. When on a nature hike, do not forget to look down. Insects are some of the most interesting living organisms in our world. Most kids are fascinated by something as simple as foraging ants. This is evident every time these two cross paths. Any nature walk is a good walk. It is all about exploring your world. If you make camp and then sit with the expectations of taking it easy for the weekend, your children will more than likely have different plans. Excitement and adventure will not find you and your kids. It must be discovered. Look for hiking trails that are not too strenuous for the weakest member on your trek. Also, plan your hikes according to the type of wildlife in the area. It is very important to know what types of natural and wildlife threats are present. These threats can be separated into two categories, predators and non-predators. Start by asking the park manager or state wildlife officials about any concerns in the area regarding any threats. Find out how to avoid these threats and what to do if a situation arises. Some natural threats are usually easy to recognize and to avoid. Parents should keep their children away from these areas. Two common natural threats are drop-offs and water. Keep kids away from rocky slopes and steep edges. Many children are seriously hurt and even killed by falling rocks or falling off of a cliff. Water is one of the most common causes of death among children. Never let your kids wander off unsupervised if there is a pond, stream, lake, or even pools of water in the vicinity. Some areas even have unique threats only found within its borders. For example, Yellowstone National Park has thermal pools that have claimed the lives of many visitors, including children. Wildlife predators pose another risk to children. Kids are about the same size and prey to most North American predators. Every parent needs to know about any potential threats by wildlife predators. If you are camping in the southeastern United States, watch your small children very closely when they are around water. 
There is not only the risk of drowning, but also the risk of a chance encounter with an alligator. Parents need to keep children away from the water's edge because a relatively large alligator can lay virtually undetectable to prey, which includes small children. Bears usually pose a threat to children at night while asleep in their tents. Encounters normally occur when kids take smellables like candy or even lip balm into a tent, causing a bear to enter with dire consequences. Mountain lions pose another threat to kids. These predators will intentionally attack a child for food. In other words, mountain lions will actually hunt a child. When in mountain lion country, children should always be in sight and close enough to be heard if they become alarmed. Unlike a bear, a mountain lion can be very close to a camping family without ever being noticed until it's too late. There are also non-predator threats. Park personnel should be able to warn parents about any of these types of threats. Common non-predator threats are buck, white-tailed deer, or bull elk during the rut or mating season. During this time, buck deer and bull elk can become very aggressive. People have been seriously injured by being gored by the antlers. Other non-predator threats include sick wildlife such as raccoons, possums, or skunks with rabies or distemper. Park personnel could also warn parents to keep out an eye for rattlesnakes, scorpions, or other insects or reptilian threats. One bad experience can turn a child off forever to our outdoor wonders. One way to keep your children involved and prepared for your trip outdoors is to familiarize yourself with the native plants, animals, and insects of that area. Also be aware of poisonous and non-poisonous plants and venomous and non-venomous animals. The best source of materials to find this information is your local library or bookstore. You can check out region-specific books and guides prior to your trip. You can purchase field guides relating to the area you are about to travel and what flora and fauna can be found within. As mentioned earlier, there is also an app for just about anything you wish to download. On both our iPhones and iPads, we have downloaded apps for wildlife, plants, birds, insects, trees, mushrooms, fish, and snakes. These interactive apps allow the user to identify by shape, size, or region. You can activate the location feature so the app can find where you are, and the app will help you identify what you may find in your area. There are also region-specific apps available. We have downloaded the Yellowstone National Park app, an app specific to Texas. It is highly recommended to search for apps and downloading them to your tablet or smartphone if you will be visiting these areas of interest. Apps can always be uninstalled once the trip is over. This is a great way to keep your children involved since most all kids today are better with this technology than their parents. The main idea behind camping is to let kids explore their world. This can be done safely outdoors as long as children are under competent supervision. In other words, turn them loose and let them go. Just stay close enough to stop risky behavior and identify hazards that might not be as visible to younger children. There is not a better match than a child's imagination and the great outdoors. Let children have more freedom exploring their campsite. Set parameters by using natural barriers around your camping area. 
Natural barriers can be a tree or a row of trees, boulders, logs, or even the gravel road surrounding your campsite. Once our camp has been set, we take our boys on a boundary walk. We show them where they are allowed to play, which trees they are allowed to climb, and which lines they are not allowed to cross. The purpose of this exercise is to show the kids their freedom, but yet have limits. These limits are set so we as parents are able to keep an eye on them at all times for safety reasons. The boys have their freedom to have fun while we are able to do other things. For smaller children, you can lay out a tarp or a blanket to serve the same purpose. There still must be some type of supervision keeping the children in sight or at least within earshot. When introducing children to camping, it is important to lead by example. Remember that if the parent demonstrates poor camping techniques or takes unnecessary risks, this behavior will be most likely picked up by the child. If an adult tries to touch or pick up a wild animal, chances are their kids will be trying the same thing. This could result in a nasty bite or even worse. Likewise, climbing upon unstable rocks, logs, or other natural obstacles will teach kids that it's all right to take chances and possibly break the rules of the site while camping in natural areas. Our goal as parents is to instill a sense of wonderment in our children towards our natural world. We do this by creating excitement and adventure while making sure they are safe. A byproduct of this is the creation of great childhood memories and the passing on of family traditions to live through another generation. This legacy that we leave our children is all we can do. The rest is up to our children to pass it on to their own kids. The first step in ensuring that our outdoor family traditions are passed down as priceless heirlooms starts with keeping our children wild. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow us on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.